Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Kinda Libertarian. I'm Jeff Siegel. Mr. Mike Turpin. What's, What's up, up Jeff? How are you doing? Man. I'm great. Good, good, good. Excited to have a day off tomorrow, holiday. So, nice. yeah. Nice. nice. Usually so Sunday's like a... What's that? I say you got to be careful. If you, if, you, if you say it's Memorial Day and be like, ah, oh, it's oh. nice to have a day off, people be like, you fucking hate the troops. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. I'm excited to memorialize the troops tomorrow. That's what, that's what I'm... <laughs> Nobody um, does. I mean, I mean there's, no. there's, you know, there's parades and stuff, which is nice. I usually post something um, to my clients, you know, based around something that we're talking about anyway. So we're doing a lot of stuff in, in psychedelics right now. And I'll talk about how psychedelics has helped a lot of veterans with PTSD and, and depression and traumatic brain injury. Um, you know, I can tie it together because seriously, like people are going to tweet stuff tomorrow about we need to care more about our troops. And of course, I totally agree with that. We treat our veterans like shit, you know, but yeah, let's also like think about what we can do to the for the veterans who are still alive, but may not be if we don't help them out. And God knows, I mean, a lot of these medications that they use for, for PTSD and, and depression do not work. Um, and in many cases make it worse. So all this research being, being done on psychedelics, you know, I really wanna, that's something I really wanna push. And even to my clients, I mean, I, I help people make money in the psychedelic space, investing in psychedelics companies, but it's not just about the money, it's about let's, provide the capital these companies need in order to get everything through FDA clinical trials so they can get that medicine into the hands of the people that need it. You know, I, I want to talk more about what we can do for our veterans now, as opposed to, you know, posting a picture of Iwo Jima or something. I mean, yeah, it's important. We shouldn't forget. And it's, it's really important that we always remember, but what, what about, what about our, our, uh, our veterans that are still alive, man? Got to look out for them too. Yeah. I, uh, I know exactly what you mean, and it and it definitely it speaks on a lot of political notes. The the notion of like the people out there that would love to express and and what do you call that? It's not grandstanding or, or whatever the word is, where you you want to show that you care, but what you're doing has really no effect outside of expressing your feelings. So like, we want to say that we love the troops. We want to say that we support, we tag our friends. Oh, I thank you for serving on Veterans Day and Memorial Day. All th I want to honor so-and-so who was in the military. But we don't really know, like you said, about any, or we're not involved in anything that has a real effect on the, the troops that need us. Not everybody, but not everybody, but I definitely see a lot of that. I wonder about that kind of stuff too. It's like, what can we actually do or how can we help? Because it's a crazy situation. I know some people who have really screwed up and really screwed up and had awful, awful turn of events as a result of serving and, and they for a while weren't able to get any benefits and all sorts of stuff. Crazy. A lot of MMA fighters have some uh, military PTSD. You know, I train with a few guys where it's like some of the stories where they're just talking about people getting blasted next to them. And like, I, I know a couple people, two different people that said they pretty much were forced to shoot at kids and mm. people that were kind of thrown at. I mean, that's, that's insane. You, 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 you go out there and you do that. Uh, 
you, you deserve a little bit of help. <laughs> if anybody deserves help from our, from, from our government when it comes to, to medical and mental health and physical health and all that kind of stuff, it's people who've done, been through that. Yeah. You know, percent. you know, I mean, it, it, you talk about what can we do uh, to help these, these guys and gals that are, that are basically signing up to put their lives on the line, you know, what can we do to help them when they need help? And, you know, whether it be trying to figure out how to get them the mental health um, care that they need after they've been deployed or, I mean, just on a political level. I mean, I've been very anti-nation building, anti-war for ever since I can remember. And what a great way to help uh, our, our soldiers stop fucking starting wars, <laughs> you uh, know? Yeah. Especially over some bullshit. Uh, not, yeah, not to get too derailed, just, just curious. So like, are you of the, cause everybody's different. I'm not overly like a conspiracy guy. I think one time we talked about Alex Jones and are you of the, the mindset or of the sort of belief that, that we, not only did we have poor motives probably in Iraq, more than likely something oil related do you take it to the step as well and thinking that there was some dirty stuff with, with heroin in Afghanistan, or is that just kind of who knows? Yeah. I don't know enough about it to say, I mean, anything's possible. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at Vietnam, like that whole war was like a corporate war. I mean, people made a lot of money off that war. People make a lot of money off of all wars. Um, well, not people, I would say we do. You know, the U S government makes a lot of money or the, let me rephrase that. Uh, what they say, the military industrial complex makes a lot of money off of wars. Um, yeah. You know, it's any number of reasons. I, you know, when you think about how a war starts, I mean, has there, at least since I've been alive, has there ever been a war that was started for honorable reasons? You know, it's just, well, it doesn't even make sense. Can you start a war for honorable reasons? I, I, I guess you can defend your country uh, against enemies, that's an honorable, honorable reason. I, maybe not to, I don't know if you would call it start a war, start a war or to just defend yourself. I, I mean, there's probably a difference in that. Um, but, you know, that's, it's such bullshit that anything happened in the Middle East um, has anything to do with anything, really, beyond oil. Oil is a, is a global commodity. We have to have yeah. our hands on that because oil's traded in U.S. dollars. I mean, it's very complex, and it's that way for a reason. There's no fucking reason we would be. Do you think anybody gives a fuck? You know, any of the any of the people we elect give a fuck about what's happening in the Middle East, whether it's human rights violations, slavery that still exists in the, in the Middle East. I think anybody give a fuck about Israel? You know, if it wasn't for that, you know, Israel's like, yeah. well. At least, you know, if we can def if we can arm Israel and, and have that spot, then we have a spot in the Middle East. You know, it's it, it, oil is a oil to me. I, you know, my my opinion is oil has always been the basis for our involvement in the Middle East. Yeah, that I mean, that makes sense, because like, I mean. You know, I, this definitely is is a juvenile sort of. Uh, I can remember being younger and and somewhat of a kid when when that all was going on and still going on pretty heavily the the Iraq War, and then you know about all this other stuff. Like w a lot of people were under the guise that, well, what are we fighting for? Well, 
Maybe it's to protect ourselves from this dictator, but, but uh, the big push was that it was to protect their people from their own self, right? We were saving and it was a big thing. We were trying to spread democracy in, in Iraq. That was what a lot of it was about at the time publicly. That's what the media outlets, a lot of them were trying to push. That's what our government was trying to say. You know, say. And then it's like, man, when you look at the turmoil in, in Africa, when you look at other places, I mean, there are a lot in North Korea. There are a lot of things that we could do that it, it seemed odd, right? Like, what, why here? Why this? And then do we actually think that this is going to have a positive effect? Because that's the big risk is, you know, you, you, you remove that person and then are they better? Are they healthier? That, that's a really, that's a concept. I, I, was, I wish I could explain it the way I heard Lex Friedman talking about it the other day. Um, but the idea of how some of these dictators or, or people like, say, like in Russia, uh, you know, you remove the head figure who you think is terrible, and then what happens? And then how much worse off is their their country? You know, we might not like Putin, but what happens to Russia without Putin? I mean, in a lot of ways, they're thriving and doing well, and their people are, you know, it's crazy, man. It, it's hard for me. Is it is it easy for you to, like, imagine what it's like being in one of these other countries that we see as being so kind of upside down in a corrupt way? Are we as bad as that? Like, compare us to Russia. What, what, how do we compare to something like that? Look, I, I, have, I don't have any, any experience being in a place like Russia. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of like you give, you give up some things, but you get some things. You know, you figure Soviet Russia when people had fucking nothing, you know, and, you know, you walk on the street, you say one word, you just get executed. That was just how it was. I don't, it's probably not quite as bad as it was back then, but listen, if you speak ill of the Putin government, that motherfucker will poison you. And he'll, and he'll go on, on, uh, go on TV and be like, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck are you going to do? Michael, <laughs> Michael Moore wouldn't have made it past like the, the first few days of filming a documentary. Fuck no, man. <laughs> and, and that's the thing in our country, we really do we re, we um, not only respect our our, our, our first amendment, but um, we we really rely on it. You know, so I think it's it's hard sometimes for us to imagine what it's like to be in a country where you can't say certain things. And that's why I've always been like, you know, I I am not a big fan of a lot of these, you know, conservative right wing groups um, or the far left groups, but I will defend their right to say what they want to say. I mean, yeah. that's part of the deal. You know, there's a fucking QAnon conference happening in Dallas. I think oh, this God. weekend or next weekend, a fucking conference, you know. I mean, it's their right. They can do it if they want. You know, I think that those people pose a threat to democracy. Um, yeah. But you can't, even if you, it, it, like, I think we talked about this before, too. It's like, if I see a Nazi flag, I'm offended. I'm angered uh you know i want to fucking like destroy anybody promoting nazism you know what i mean yeah but at the same time it's like hey man if you want to let everybody know that you're a shithead nazi that that's your right 
You know? I'm glad. I'm glad you're letting us know. I've always said that the person who puts the Confederate flag out on their doorstep are they're not influencing others to be racist. They're letting people know who they are. And no matter what you think of the Confederate flag, you definitely are, are going to think what you think of the Nazi flag, right? It's yeah. I like that. That's almost like being able to look up and see who in your street's a pedophile. <laughs> I know, right? Right. Like we we why why do we want privacy for the types of thoughts that these people have? If you are pro-white supremacy, let it be known. Wear it on your t-shirt, please. Mm-hmm. Let me know who the fuck you are. Yeah. Dude, there was a thing I saw on Twitter this morning about there's a, a company called Hatworks in Tennessee that was selling, I guess sells Stetson hats. And they started selling again, this is a thing that's happening a lot lately. Um, yellow stars of David equating the genocide of 6 million Jews to mask mandates, you know, and, and they were like, oh, they're for sale, you know, and Stetson found out about it. And they're like, you're not selling our shit anymore. So like by that woman who ran that store coming out and saying, look, I'm a fucking, you know, racist and thinking it's funny to make that equation. Um, she got shut down, not shut down. Like the store didn't get shut down, but the, 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 the company that supplied her with her inventory was like, nah, fuck you. We're not doing that shit. So I'm glad she said some shit because now I hope that, I hope her store goes out of business, you know? And apparently some people went down there too and put a big flag that says we don't do business with Nazis or something like that. So yeah, fuck her. I hope, I hope she goes out of business. Um, how would you know if she wouldn't have said something like that? Of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene did that last week. She doubled down, tripled down. If that's a thing talking about making the making the equation again it's like you know the the jewish people know about this and we don't want to see it happen again talking about again like making making that connection which is a bullshit connection i don't know what's gonna happen with her i hope enough people realize how not only is she a racist but she's fucking out of her mind you know that will um deny her a second term i hope um Uh, but yeah man fucking wear that shit on your sleeve let me know Right. Hey, this is a th- like I don't want to even fucking deal with you if you're like that, you know. Yeah. Th- this circles back uh, to to when I brought up Michael Moore, but this is a, a fun little question for you. Mm-hmm. How many countries could you think off off the top of your head that that would have a guy like Michael Moore make a documentary like Fahrenheit 9/11, and it they wind up not being reprimanded or having any issue for putting it out there and actually winning like Academy Awards for it. Like we do live in a pretty cool country when it comes to being able to say what you want about the government, because I can't imagine the, the picture that paints of the government, the fact that that was being shown in movie theaters, like so many people saw that movie and it was, wasn't it, didn't it come out while George Bush was president? Um, Fahrenheit 9-11, especially. I, I mean, that uh, I mean it, uh, well, it, it essentially, it makes it seem like, you know, it shows a lot of potential corruption. I mean, a lot of the, the documentaries that he puts out have a lot of debunking in themselves and, and show that he is like a propagandist, I guess. Like, who, who the hell can you believe, man? You, you see this one documentary and then it shows you all this evidence, supposedly hard evidence, that makes it look like your government's corrupt. And then there's documentaries that make it look like that was corrupt. And then there's people, uh, you know, busting 
th- that documentary for you can't really know for sure. That's my that's my ultimate stance. I always circle back to just like what do we really even know about this shit? But the the short of it was there were a lot of clips that showed George Bush in a terrible, terrible light. Make it look like, which, you know, we just talked about, the the oil stuff. Um, I'd have to go, I watched it when it came out, so it's not easy to say, but but it definitely suggests that we were involved in weird ways. And we, I'm pretty sure it was one of, it wasn't as crazy as like Loose Change was like the big documentary that came out that tried linking us to, to, you know, knowing it, controlled demolition, all that. Like that led to future documentaries. Now, every time there's some big event that, that can be, that was like the biggest conspiracy documentary when that came out. I don't know if you remember loose that, but loose, loose Change. It was like a YouTube video. And, you know, they're having interviews with what, which, with what a lot of people would tell you are pseudoscientists are are not really pilots. They don't know what they're talking about. But it was going over all this stuff, and it's it's why a lot of people like Charlie Sheen was a big one, and there were a lot of celebrities that got on the bandwagon, mm-hmm. and a lot of them were loose change supporters of this video. And if you were to watch that back in the day, I mean, you couldn't help but come away thinking, holy shit, we, that was an inside job. Like, you know, that, that was like, I mean, that's the extreme level of it. Fahrenheit 9-11 didn't quite do that. Mm-hmm. But regardless, let's just say this. A Michael Moore type documentary where you are outing your government for being, or, or you're, you know, for warmongering, um, dirty conspiratorial stuff, knowing a lot of shady stuff, just very, very damning things. How many countries would allow a documentary to come out about itself like that very few you know not not even 20 probably no not even maybe some like western european nation yeah maybe but they would be on that shit dude they would be on it because if it wasn't completely factual and obvious there would probably be a bigger issue Right, there would probably because the Michael Moore ones historically have not been. I wouldn't. I would say they probably have notoriously at least not been spot on. And there's a lot of in the bowling for Columbine. Not to get too. This doesn't even. This isn't topical at all. And it doesn't matter. But but this just goes to show you the country we live in, which is interesting because there are things in Bowling for Columbine where like there's editing a goofs. So like there's a scene where he's showing the president of the NRA. What was his? Is that Charlton Heston? Is that who that is? Oh, what's that? Wayne LaPierre. Maybe, maybe he's having an, I wanted to say it was Charlton Heston who he was talking to, okay. but it might've been that guy. I, I could be getting it mixed up. I know they both have some sort of NRA association, but, but Michael Moore was showing them a picture maybe of somebody who got killed or something. And then there were like editing goofs in it that make it look like that was staged and didn't really happen. Like, you know, like that he staged part of the inter- interview footage that was used was like doctored and faked essentially. So at the very least, you're dealing with an element of fake documentary that puts people in an insanely poor light. And then that shit goes on to win your country's awards, you yeah. know, thing yeah. and gets nominated as the best documentary. That shows you a little bit about America. It's a very telling thing about our country. It's like a good I mean, it's, it's a most, so positive that it's become negative in a way, right? 
because it's like we're really allowing some crazy shit to let these people do that. But it, but it makes me comfortable knowing we live in a country where people can do that, right? It's a give and take. So why do you think it is that, so like Michael Moore, I've only seen a few of his movies. You know, I don't know how, you know, factually accurate they all are. I did read an article, man, it was a long time ago. Um, interestingly, by a conservative who hated Michael Moore, um, but relented to the fact that there was very little that he could not substantiate in his movies. I don't know oh. who, who wrote it, what, what, right. which movies he was referring to, um, but he does have his own narrative. I mean, he's, he's on the left and that's his narrative. And I, I think he owns that. He doesn't try to deny it. The question is, why would his movies do so well? But how come we've never seen like the conservative version of that movie do so well? Is it because Hollywood tends to be very liberal? I don't know if I buy that because if it's a really compelling movie, especially today, um, because the democratization of, of uh, streaming services tells me that if there was a, there was a really good uh, documentary that was, like, was leaning to the right, you know, the director leaned to the right on things, it, it should get attention. But what do you, you think about like documentaries that are, or even just like, you know, um, clips of things? What's that, the Veritas Project? I mean, uh -huh. you know, that guy's always, James O'Keefe is always posting stuff and sometimes it's debunked, sometimes it's not. I don't really like it because I don't think his intentions are honorable. I, I think that he is just looking for a quick spot. Like, look, I found one person or two people out of like 10,000 people on the left that are admitting to doing this or doing that. Big fucking deal, man. You're going to get that on both sides. You know, okay. I think maybe... You know, why, I guess the question is, why is Michael Moore, why is he considered more legitimate than yeah. a guy like James O'Keefe? In my opinion, I just think that James O'Keefe is not a particularly talented director. I don't, I, I think, I think he's, he doesn't build cases. Like Michael Moore will build a case in a movie. Even if you don't agree with it, he builds the case. Whereas James O'Keefe is just like, he sneaks in a camera and catches two people doing some shitty things. And it's like, look what the fucking left is doing. You know, I don't, James, no, or what's that? What's his name? And, and Andy, no, the guy that's been very against anti Yeah. I mean, that guy's always getting busted for like trying to start shit, like getting inside anti and like trying to stir shit up. It's like, dude, you're in, I mean, we know what you're doing. I mean, if you really wanted to get that point across, build something, build an argument, make a fucking 90 minute documentary. There's no way that guy couldn't get the funding for it. My, what I, what I would think is the, the, there are some, there are definitely some fringe conspiracy type people who've never taken it to the level of like M Michael Moore. But I can remember, like, I remember seeing the um, Bohemian Grove, like we just brought up Alex Jones. I remember, but that's not, I mean, that exposes a lot of, of re Republican side, side, conservative side of things. I only say that, I guess, because over time, Alex Jones has become more of a conservative uh, figure. And he eventually was on, you know, Fox News for a little bit and for a little while, a Trump supporter. So that's kind of what makes me think him, but that wasn't even close to the level. The first thing I thought of was, well, I mean, conservatives just aren't funny. 
they're just not entertaining. They're not cool. Like, I mean, a lot of like your bigger, when they talk politics, when they critique politics, it's rare you get one that is entertaining. Laughing, laughing is like the trick, man. If you're going to say some, some, some shit that, that you're going to want to convince some people, being able to make them laugh is huge. And conservatives have like, when I think of the bigger conservatives that, that talk like this, they do it in such a serious, boring, they, they talk from a way that is just not entertaining. Hmm. And you could think of that too when you look at the left and the right um, presidential candidates. I mean, Donald Trump in a way was an exception. He had a little bit of a sense of humor and some people do, but I mean, God, like, it's hard to imagine somebody that was as smooth and cool and funny like like President Obama in ways right. on the right side. Like it's just not, it's not what you expect. And when you think of like how much comedy and the left have paired, when you look at SNL, when you look at like Comedy Central, I mean, mm-hmm. the Colbert Report, that was, that was parody. It was left-wing parody. Uh, right. The Daily Show is parody. They, the, Comedy Central should have had a left-wing and a right-wing show that did the exact same thing, the exact same framework that equally parodies both sides. I get SNL having a bit of an agenda, but there should have been a balance in something like that or an HBO. But this is the thing is like the the media, not, not maybe not just the media entertainment is so like the, the left has just elbowed their way in and it seems like comedy and our source of entertainment has become so politically correct from a left agenda point of view mm-hmm. that's what i think it is i mean it just it's so hard to think of any anybody or anything like can you think of a tv show what tv shows come to mind when you think of right politics what what t- i mean look at look what happened to roseanne yeah and she you know was a trump supporter in, in the show and it didn't really go much further than that yeah just a plot arc that was weird man that was so weird she that got, they, she got crucified yeah and i mean listen i you know i've heard roseanne talk about some things she, i think she's out of her fucking mind yeah of course she's a great fucking comic though man dude you remember her early shit like when she first hit this great hit dude she was the funny fucking thing for like years man that whole domestic goddess routine was like that was new like no one ever did shit like that I mean, she's a great fucking comedian. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, you're right. I mean, it is weird. It's that when we talk about the fact that that show got, got booted, would that have happened if she were a Bush supporter? Say, like, let's move it back and yeah. say it was not Trump-Bush. I think the difference here, and I'm not, by any means defending ABC's decision to cancel that. I think it was ABC to cancel, uh-huh. cancel the show. Um, but Trump is an outlier. So like a lot of times people will say, you know, Trump was talking about the Wuhan, um, the, the COVID coming out of Wuhan lab. Okay. And he's like, it was from China, it's from China. And there was, a, there was some evidence that like, yes, this was not an accident. This was not like someone ate a bat and shit got, you know, like, this evidence is coming coming to the top now. More and more people are questioning, like, wait a minute, maybe 
maybe this is something that really happened that way. Maybe mm-hmm. this was not an accident. The problem is, if Trump was a competent person, if he didn't, if he wasn't so erratic, if his intentions were not so dishonorable, you know, at least outwardly, maybe people would have taken him seriously. Because I know just Republicans, you know, if, if it was Bush, okay, like say, you know, this happened under the Bush administration and Bush came out and I said, I think this is what happened. I think there would have been less pushback from the left. Um, yeah. But, but because it's Trump, it's like, and I've had this conversation with Trump supporters. They say, well, you just, you didn't like him from the get-go. You know, you don't like Republicans. Well, I, I don't give a fuck about Republicans or Democrats, but yes, typically I tend to be, I find myself more, um, more critical of Republicans. Um, either way, it had nothing to do with him being a Republican. It had everything to do with him being him. The guy's right. fucking a psychopath, you know? And I don't, anything he says, I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to hear it, man, because you're not acting with integrity. You're not acting with logic. So when he said that, he probably said it not because he knew something. He probably said it because like, well, because he, he always, that's what he does. He shifts blame on other people. Well, that had to be what it is because China's our enemy. So it must've been them and they did it on purpose. Hey, you're probably right. I mean, there, there's probably a lot of evidence that points that this was done on purpose. But man, like if, if you're Trump telling me that, dude, I can't fucking listen to what you're saying. At least yeah. maybe have one of your people come out, you know, like not you, not Trump. So now it's kind of like, I never bought for one second that COVID was an accident. It, it, I just, Rogan had some guy on talking about this a while back. It was a very, mm-hmm. very, very compelling case. I wish I could remember the guy's name. I, I listened. I think he had him on twice, maybe. He did. Maybe that's the guy. I don't know. But either way, I think I've heard what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's like, when you put someone like Trump in charge, it becomes very difficult to know what you can, what you can, I guess you could say that for any politician, but Trump's just <laughs> yeah. a different animal, man. You know what I mean? Like, again, like I look at Trump as a dictator. Like, he wanted to be king. There's no doubt in my mind that's what he wanted. He tried to overthrow the fucking government. You know, mm-hmm. he sent his henchmen in. He sat in a tent, watched the thing unfold, knowing that if they were successful, he would waltz right in. If he wasn't, they weren't successful. Hey, I, listen, they're just people. They're my fans. You know, it's just, that's that's how he played it. I mean, it's not stupid. He was smart in the way he did it. Um, but um, his intentions were never about the health and well-being of the people of this country. It's always been about what it can do for him and his brand. And so when you have someone like that in charge, I can't. It's very hard for me to, to, to take anything, that, anything seriously that, that he has to say. Yeah, um, a couple thoughts uh, about, about the, the media thing, the Roseanne thing. I'm trying to even think of like a late show talk show host mm-hmm. that, that isn't obviously of a left-wing nature. I'm trying to even think of anything that... There are, like, like honestly, this is how crazy it is. You know what is the most right-wing? Only because it's willing to criticize both sides is South Park. South Park is probably <laughs> as conservative as, like, that type of entertainment gets. Right. Because it's willing to mock the left so thoroughly. But they're probably it, pretty libertarian. I, I don't know what say, they are. That's more libertarian than anything because, yeah. because they're not because they don't cater to each either side. Exactly. One of the things I've always loved about South Park. Always loved that. So good. You know, and because I don't know why it's, it's probably not a good thing, but I really particularly enjoy 
when my left-leaning friends get pissed off about something that happens on South Park. Because it's yeah. like, I feel like the right, you kind of expect it, you know? Like if you say anything about abortion or the Second Amendment or just like the, the typical conservative talking points, um, you just expect them to be like, oh, they're socialists, blah, blah, blah. Anti-God, that kind of thing. And you just yeah. kind of it up. That's, that's been their MOs for ever since I've been alive. But the left, man, like if you do everything that the left is cool with, you'll never hear a word. You do one thing that goes against the, the narrative of the left, fucking shut it down, shut it down, you know? I love, yeah. I love watching them lose their shit. I mean, the, the only people that, yeah, the, it, it doesn't really transcend Fox News. Like conservatism hasn't really, you got like the figures like the Glenn Becks and the people like that. And it seems like all of them were or like got their platform from Fox News. And other than that, the conservatives really have nothing. They have nothing, not that I, I'm sure there's something, I'm sure there's like a popular podcast, I guess. Yeah. I, um, I'm, you know. Podcasts and there are popular shows that run on, run online. I think Alex Jones still has a pretty loyal following. Oh yeah, yeah, um, he, yeah. The, the, you, that, that exists, but it's not probably out in the open uh, as much as the stuff that's, that's on the left. Um, there was the guy who was on Rogan. He's like, a, um, maybe he's like anywhere from 38 to, to like 44. Stephen Crowder is his name. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. yeah, he's a conservative guy that gets a little bit of attention. Um, but yeah, it's not. There was another thing I thought, God, what the hell did I want to say? You know, with the Trump and the, and the and COVID and all that, the big issue is yeah, now we're finding out that, that that was probably the case, but why did we have to speculate and why did we have to say something like that when we didn't know back then? It, it loses the legitimacy. You're the president. And that just comes from being in over your head mm -hmm. and not really knowing the brevity of the role that you play. He yeah. didn't understand the, his Twitter account was evidence that he didn't really get his role as president. Right. That's what it spoke to me. It was like, oh, this guy doesn't quite understand the effect and the, and the position that he is playing right now. And in a, way it was, it, in a way, it was cool because it wasn't politics. It was Donald Trump. Right. But it was, it was fucking scary in a lot of ways. And it was scary how many people did not see through or care that he was that person they wanted him to be the savior right. they wanted there was like a bizarrely religious nature what i have loved about politics since then i mean it sucks because i think biden is probably such a i mean he he might be just as inadequate in a lot of ways as Donald Trump was. And he's probably worse in some ways. I'm not, I'm not saying who I think is better or worse. Donald Trump is a dangerous person to have at the front for a lot of obvious reasons. But I love that people are done respecting and loving. You know, you've been taught in school how like other countries look at America and they don't like our American pride so much. Mm -hmm. They do, like, like it was a big thing I learned in German class in school. We went over how Germans thought 
that um, the, the nature in which Americans had American pride was kind of silly and they weren't like that. And that always stuck with me over the years because, you know, you hear that in ninth grade and, it, and it's like, oh, wow, I never thought of that. The way we were with Donald Trump was embarrassing. It's embarrassing to be that proud of somebody like that. Now, I think in ways we were a bit too proud of President Obama as well. I think we were a bit too proud of what we had. We did something amazing. We were willing to to vote in a a black president. Um, In some ways, it was, I guess it was a positive direction, but we were a bit too proud. I mean, in, in, in a lot of ways, but the Donald Trump thing was crazy. I mean, people, it's religious. It's religious the way people were with him. Well, it's the same way with Obama. I mean, people. Yeah, you're people, right. Hardcore Obama supporters, it was a religion for them. You know, like Obama could not do wrong at all. He was the savior. The difference, yeah. though, between the two is the, the, the religious followers of Obama, of which there were probably millions, or pretty close to that anyway. Yeah. Um, and I'm basing this on nothing, which is in my head. Uh, I never, they never struck me as dangerous or violent. Right. The Trump people are excessively dangerous and violent, you know, generally speaking. Yeah. That, the, that's yeah, a big I, difference. I could look at the Obama people. I've always had my, I've always thought that people on the left who are extremely sincere people. Ha- they, there's an element of like, oh, you don't quite get the way you are not seeing the bigger picture. Your heart is in the right place. You are doing something from a genuinely good perspective. Whereas a lot of the extreme Trump supporters, you could tell that they didn't care at all if they were wrong in any way, or if there was some obvious bullshit, because they would just be like, like I, like I, I said before, it's like, when they talked about Trump, they'd be like, well, he just needs to get off that damn Twitter. And I said, yeah, but that's him. <laughs> what does he need to get off it for? Because he's an idiot? Because yeah. he's saying stuff that, that's you know racist, sexist, wrong, going to uh, cause issues with other countries. So, like, why does he need to get off Twitter if he's so amazing and, and such a strong leader? Why does he need to get off Twitter? Why, why, doesn't, why shouldn't he be tweeting? Is it because he's what? He's an idiot? <laughs> you know because he's saying shit that you know he shouldn't be saying yeah yeah that's the guy that you want to that's the guy that you want to be gung-ho on oh i th- yeah the left i i they th- it's sneakier they're cool obama's cool how i get how you could do people yeah yeah well it's kind of funny too you think okay we're it's, it's we're two days away from june okay and i still see trump flags up i actually saw a flag today that said fuck biden and fuck you if you voted for him (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah dude there's there i take my dog on a walk in the in the neighborhood there are there are trump flags in my neighborhood and even though i'm in harford county i live in aberdeen it's not like it's not like i live like in like the middle of like rural rural harford county right so but yeah but there's trump flags still hanging dude they're gonna hang for a while we're gonna see trump flags 10 years from now yeah, there that, will still be people. Flags. That whole cult started started building its brand before Trump, I would say. I think it really started with um, Sarah Palin. She was really the first nonsensical dimwit that took that was 
almost took a major stage in the political arena. And you could tell that by the things she said. She was completely clueless. Her intentions were never honorable. Um, but it was like, all of a sudden, the far right was like, hey, wait a minute. This, can, this might work, you know? And then from there, we started seeing more and more of these far right lunatics coming into, taking, you know, coming into office. And now we have a ton of them, you know? It was, um, mm-hmm. oh shit, what was the guy? Uh, Dan Crenshaw, who's been on Rogan too. He just posted a thing the other day that they're going to infiltrate woke ideology in the military. And if you know something about it, you can submit your information here. What the fuck does that even mean? Woke ideology. Like, and it's, it pains me to see him. There was a fucking Navy SEAL. He served his country. You know, it's like, why, why are you doing this other than to just garner votes? I don't even, and I know that like there are military people that say, well, it's, you know, our um, woke ideologies are military and you know now the gays you know openly serving and this and that dude i don't care like how scary russia or china looks the u.s military remains one of the the strongest militaries in the world we will i say we i ain't doing shit but our military will fuck you up in a way that you can't even fucking imagine you know it's like just all the shit that happens to our country from China and Russia. You don't think we're doing that shit in other parts of the world? Like the technology that we have, if you look at our, our, our military forces, our rangers, our SEALs, they're no fucking joke, man. They're fucking, they're like, weirdly say, I feel like they're, they're like robots. They're killing machines. Yeah. So this idea that they're trying to push is like the socialists and the woke are infiltrating our military. Really? Because the last I checked, we could fuck up anybody, anywhere, anytime, even our own citizens. So yeah. that kind of thing that they're pushing, that's more that right-wing bullshit that's like trying to tell everybody, hey, Trump had it right, man, America first. Okay. That still doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Getting woke ideology. You don't even, I don't even know what that fucking means. Woke idea. What does that mean? You know, I mean, it could mean anything. What is your definition of woke? I even fucking hate that word because it's like, it's so stupid. It's like all it's become is a word to criticize people who I think just want to be everyone to be treated fairly. You know, I think that's where it started. But then it kind of mutated into this thing where the, the far right used it as a weapon. The far left said, hey, if you don't call me they, you're not woke and you, you should be canceled. They're like, fuck you. First Amendment says I can say what the fuck I want to say, you know? Yeah. How did we get here, Mike? How did we get to this place where the, the, the two, like on both sides, the craziest fucking people have the loudest voices and the rest of us are like, what the fuck is going on? I think it's the, the, the way, the direction media has gone and the, and the direction, you know, social media and the internet has just rapidly changed things and it's made things that are so polarizing and the ability to manipulate the ability to use propaganda um and then everybody can have their extreme platform there's like there's these pockets of of groups that have such a strong 
sort of interwebbing. I mean, this is what's crazy about the definition of woke is it's relative to whatever your own form of, you're either using it in a way to parody the opposite of you, your view, or you're using it in a way to kind of present an elitist point of view, right? right? So like when I think of woke in a more respectful sort of thing, you might think somebody is woke who is socially aware, progressive, things like that might be considered. Like progressive is a word that that by definition might be linked to what somebody might say is woke, right? Mm-hmm. Just this awareness and then forward moving. Um, but then somebody on the opposite side of it might see it as being seeing through that bullshit, right? Like, what are you woke to? You're woke to the fact that that's a bunch of, you know, whether you call it fascist or whatever you call it or censorship, the slippery slope, that's a version of being woke. When, when you're me, when you're me, you know what you think woke is? Oh, you mean they did a bunch of psychedelics? <laughs> you know, that's where I started using and hearing right, the word right. woke. I just thought, I always thought woke meant, oh, dude, that guy's mind got opened <laughs> up. He has seen some shit. That is a woke dude. He's like a... That makes a, sense to me. Yes, that, that I get. That's me. My my version of woke means that you've you've transcended this existence and you understand something greater than this. <laughs> you've experienced... Yeah. You know who's not woke? <laughs> Fucking Joe Biden, man. That dude looks like he needs to take a nap. He always looks so tired. That's, fuck God. Yeah, there's another definition of woke. <laughs> that dude needs to wake up, man. He's always so tired. I feel bad for Joe Biden a little bit. I mean, I'm not a fan, but it's like, imagine working your whole life just to, for this moment. And, and when you get elected, you only get elected because the other, because you just couldn't get any worse in terms of the opposition. And you're so, and you're so like, I'm not trying to be ages, but you're so old now. It's like, yeah. you don't know what the fuck's going on after now, you know, I, and I credit him for at least trying to put people around him who do know what the fuck's going on. I think there's a big difference. That's one thing that Trump never did. He put people around him that would agree with him. And if he didn't agree with them, he was gone. They were gone. But I think Biden's kind of like, look, I don't even know where I left my applesauce. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, can I just get some people around me and know what's going on? I'll, yeah, that sounds good. You know, so I'll give him credit. I'll, I'll definitely give him credit for that. But you know, Biden's just like a fucking old school politician. And he's not, I think I read the other day that he's still not going to, or he doesn't want to allow DC to have the ability to regulate his cannabis sales and, and have legal cannabis sales. Or even though it's decriminalized in DC, Congress holds the purse strings and Congress says, no, you cannot use this money uh, to regulate legal sales of cannabis. And Biden's like, yeah, that sounds good. Who knows? Who knows why they say that? Who knows? Like, like we say, who's benefiting? How are they benefiting? And where is their influence coming from? Because they're not just making decisions from the bottom of their heart. They're not making decisions with their mind a lot of the times. And we don't know the reasons or the push or the pull. Do you think Joe Biden's the person making these decisions? And if so, oh my God, what a mess we are in and have been in since the Donald Trump times. If these people are actually making decisions. On on Woke though, I had like a funny thought. I always think of like the yin and the yang of things, right? Mm -hmm. So like I've talked about how uh, early on, maybe even an unreleased, like, you know, only on YouTube episode, how I kind of have always thought of as 
anarchists and extreme kind of socialists or maybe even like Marxist people as being polar opposites from a, from cut from a similar cloth, right? There's something about it that seems like the antithesis, but like reflective of one another in a way where they're almost the same thing gone about completely oppositely, I think is kind of the thing. Well, I thought of like in woke culture, I could think of like Ron Paul and Bernie Sanders being a yin yang of sort of being like the opposite spectrums of, of woke. And maybe even in a positive way, like that actually wouldn't be the worst type of woke out there. It's definitely not like the unfortunate, I went to a college and now I think all of these things about every word that you use incorrectly and, you know, like that type of wokeness, uh, political correctness. but. Ron Paul and Bernie Sanders have a sort of parallel opposite of one another, and their supporters definitely seem to be a bit more genuine and not necessarily woke in a grand sense, but an attempt to be more woke and see through the 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 popular most mainstream of things. But I only take that so far, and I only know Bernie Sanders so well. You know, I don't... Right. I don't get well, so into it. Argue that both have been consistent. You know, yeah. I mean, both have always been consistent. You don't, it doesn't matter if, if you agree with either one of them. They, they don't, those are two, two politicians that, as far as I know, never really wavered um, from their core beliefs and core values based on who's in office or what may be the po popular flavor of the year, you know, when you're, when you're trying to get votes. Um, and I'll, I'll give them both a lot of credit for that. Just as Justin Amash is another one, man. That guy's consistent as fuck. You know, like he doesn't waver. And in fact, he was Republican and said, listen, I'm just going to be a libertarian now because the Republicans have lost their way. You know, and he was one of the first to really come out and, and point it out. I think a lot of us kind of knew that the Republicans were losing their way after Trump was elected. And the that's when it happened? Is that when it happened? You think that's when it just shit got crazy upside down i think that's when the i think so it was a race and for years like all these people were coming to this like iron man race you know and they're all kind of hanging out drinking their you know energy drinks and stuff and more people came and more people came and then trump showed up and then fired off the the starting pistol and boom they all went who was the second most likely candidate to uh because i can remember ted cruz uh was running, who, who were the main people that were running against Trump in that primary? Was there anybody that was like remotely grounded in like some sort of, you know, did they have any chance really of having somebody be pretty normal slash good president? Kasich was probably your okay. more rational Republican there, but you had Rand Paul, which is kind of like, he's a libertarian when it's convenient for him. Um, yeah. I think Ruby, Marco Rubio was in there. He's just a yeah. little fucking, I mean, that, that guy, he, whatever the way the wind blows is where, where's he, where he's going, you know, who else ran was, did Lindsey Graham run? I, I don't, that I don't know. There, there, hmm. I, I really don't remember. I just don't, it's been, it's been tough because in my lifetime, I don't see the potential with like certain presidents, um, and now looking back, you almost look at the the people like and initially, maybe John McCain would have been a person that could have gone down in 
history, at least in the Republican point of view, as being somebody who could have been a a good president, I guess. And but but God, these people lately, I I just don't see any any potential, and it just makes you shake your head. And the the same thing just happened with the the Joe the Joe Biden situation. It's like you just don't see the potential. Oh, I mean, Obama had the right charisma and the right personality, and he he will go down in many's eyes as as being a great president. I mean, hey, people will say the same shit about Trump. Yeah. But like when I look at like the historically great presidents, um, even people, even if it's polarizing, there's just no potential with some of these elections. There's just I look at the candidates and it, I feel everybody says this, but it's like I can't believe these are our options. How are these people our options? How is there not somebody that that works their way to the top of this whole election thing and is out there in the primaries that's better than these people, that speaks better, that debates better, that is more likable, that has more charisma? Has the fact that Donald Trump had some of the best quote, you know, energy and speaking and being like charismatic out of like presidential candidates says a lot because he doesn't really have it that much. No. Well, he was charismatic, I think, to people that agreed with his take on things. Yeah. See, for me, when he would talk, I, I found him not charismatic at all. I me either. And I think a lot of people did find him off-putting, but there were enough people that were like, I'm tired of being left out. And there's a lot of people in this country that have been left out for too long. And that's why he won. Yeah. That's the only way I see it, you know, because he's not qualified. He's not competent. Um, and, you know, and I think about what's going to happen next. There's no, I, Biden's a one-term president, you know, assuming he doesn't die in office. And I don't say that I'm yeah. trying to be funny. I'm, I'm being honest, you know. Um, it's just the odds. He's, he's an old guy. And I mean, no disrespect to the guy. I'm just saying, look, you know, he, he's not going to win another election. There's no way. Um, even if he like fucking cured cancer tomorrow, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. It would not matter because someone would be like, oh, well, he cured cancer. Then why didn't he give it to the troops right away? Why did he, you know, there's always an excuse. No one cares about results anymore. No one cares about, you know, actually proving that you can do something valuable for the people of this country. Um, so what does that leave you with? You know, maybe it just leaves us in a place where the minimum, the minimum thing we can expect is someone to just, um, honor their oath, oaths of office, respect the constitution, protect it and defend it. If you can do yeah. that, you know, you're, you're far more, you will be far more, um, successful than likely this president and, the, and, and Trump. Yeah, that's very that that's definitely true. What what I see, people always think about him dying. So, you know, look at the way people get, and he already, I mean, he already looks this way to a degree. But he's going to get sickly more than likely before he dies, and that would put us in a pretty interesting predicament. Like if the man gets some sort of cancer, or, or let's say he does get diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Or, or dementia, or really starts losing. No one will ever know. That's what no they were Reagan. Reagan had Alzheimer's while he was in office. No one and they, they know, never know. 
Now, it may be different now because we have access to information a lot differently than we did when Reagan was in office. Yeah. So, um, anyway, might be a bit more shitty. obvious. I now. feel shitty saying it. I really sh I should take that back because, you know, it's not fair for me to sit here and say, oh, the dude's old and he could die. So, you know, I fucking, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. I'm not as old as him, you know? Right. Um, clearly, I think he's probably, you know, in good enough shape that he can do what he's doing now. Um, I just, I was just very, very disappointed that that's the best the Democrats could come up with. I mean, yeah. it, that should have been a home fucking run to, to win against Trump. And it was a fucking battle, like a hard battle. And there were people that, that ran in the primaries as Democrats that I suspect would have been far more effective leaders than, than Joe Biden. But whatever it is, I mean, he's, he's president now. And, you know, I'm, I just, I just hope that, uh, I just hope that the Republicans don't do what they did when Obama was in office and basically just shut down for four years and be like, nah, I'm not working with you. Because we're at a place where decisions have to be made from, you know, national defense, uh, constitutional violations, uh, domestic terrorism, healthcare, infrastructure. Infrastructure is a big one. Are we going to just keep putting this off because the other guy isn't on my side? Why do I do that so long? I mean, we the people are the ones getting fucked time and time again, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse until somebody fucking does something. Talk about the infrastructure. How are we going to pay for it? How are we going to pay for it? Fuck if I know. It's your fucking job. Figure it out, man. And don't tell right. me how we're just going to raise taxes because that's not the right answer. I mean, I know in other countries they've done public-private partnerships with infrastructure projects that work quite well, but nobody wants to do anything because if someone on the left has an idea, even if it's a good idea, someone on the right's be like, "Fuck you, we're not doing that." And if someone on the right has an idea that's a good idea, someone's going on the left like, "Nah, fuck you, we're not doing that." And then here we are again. What an opportunity for the Libertarian Party! What is the yeah. Libertarian Party going to do now? Have you even heard from the Libertarian Party as we get ready for the next congressional cycle? No. No. Nothing. Not, not at all. I think that, I think that the, the, the biggest thing with the, the Libertarian Party would just be <laughs> kind of needing to realize that if you want to be the difference and if you need to be the people who register and vote, your, your part. Not that I hate the whole like vote blue, vote red, do all that. I would never say just blindly vote any party, right? I would never say that. But I would think that not getting caught up in being a part of the two parties is the biggest thing you can do as just a person participating in politics and wanting some sort of change. That, that realizing that a, vote, a third party vote does mean something. It's the only way it'll ever work is if we start getting people to realize that you need to start voting third party if you don't like the two-party system and think that that is like the, the biggest evil or, or problem or whatever in, in progress for, for our future. 
voting third party to some sense is probably showing up to do it, uh, registering as such, being, being, letting it be known. It's too easy just to get caught up in, in playing the whole lesser of two evils. Oh yeah, I'm so tired of that shit. I think a lot of people do that. I think a lot of libertarian-leaning people just vote lesser of two evils, you know, left or right. That's because we don't have anybody to vote for. We have no one to vote for, you know, as libertarians. Who do we vote for? I mean, I, I, I voted for Gary Johnson. I thought he was, you know, the lesser of three evils at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, but we, yeah, third party would be great, but there's been no third party to bring on the stage someone who's got a shot, someone who can really uh, be taken seriously. What's the what's the Green Party like? Is that is that a thing really anymore? Yeah, much the Green Party tends to be more um, like Democrat socialist leaning, um, which of course just in my opinion, destroys its credibility as a viable option. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate because most people in this country just equate, uh, again, giving a shit about the planet to being a socialist. Um, I think Pompeo actually tweeted that. He was just like, if you, if you put, uh, what do you say? If you put um, climate change first, that means you put America last. Again, what the fuck does that mean? So if I care about the planet and I don't want to treat it like a toilet, that makes me anti-American. We got to stop this, man. We got to stop vilifying people that want to make sure that the planet is inhabitable, inhabitable for future generations. Should not be a political yeah. issue. I'll take you know I'll take take a side in terms of how you want to deal with it. That's yeah. fine. But this idea that you have to give up. Uh, being patriotic if you want to fight climate change is absurd and it's dangerous. And it's kind of a narrative that I thought was starting to peter out a little bit. And with the Trump administration, it kind of came back because it's easy. Because it's, e it's, it's easy to talk about and not have to defend. Um, Rogan did a great job. Here we are talking about Rogan again. You should just send him a fucking love note. <laughs> he had, um, what's her name? Candace, what's her name? The, um, Candace Owens, that's her okay. name, right? And she was- I think so, about, I, didn't listen. I didn't see it listed yet. She, she was joking about, um, this was a while ago, she was joking about oh, okay. climate change and, and Rogan's like, why are you joking? Basically, he's like, and he, he took her to task and it was great. Cause he showed how foolish it was and how, how much of bullshit oh. it was to use that as an excuse yeah. for anything. Um, I really, I, you know, I just can't believe we're still having this conversation in 2021 that we have to give up free market capitalism and, and democracy if we want to fight climate change. It's a, it's a, it's a myth perpetrated yeah. by people that, that don't want to fight climate change because they profit from it. I think the, one of the biggest issues that I see is that people are able to cling to climate change and the science that is out there on both sides of the perspective where it would be a lot easier if we just said, Hey, we need to take care of our planet, mm -hmm. our living environment, our atmosphere, whatever that means. If you don't think that the climate is going to be affected by the things that people say it's going to be affected by, that's 
fine, okay, whatever. It's a bit naive, but but to say nobody can say that we treat the planet well. Nobody can say that we're not destroying so many things and causing a lot of issues. Whether it's, I mean, it's all a part of the same thing. You can look into the issue with the bees. You know, I'm sure you've heard thing people talk about. Uh, the, the bees and destroying the bees and, and all the problems that could cause mm -hmm. um, the, the, the plastic that gets in things, you know, um, all sorts of pollution issues and whatnot. We need to take care of our planet and keeping it a livable place, whether it's just, whether you believe in climate change or not, you need to wake up. We talk about being woke. You need to wake up and realize that we are destroying our living space well, undoubtedly it's not even a matter of believing so to me like belief is something that yeah. comes with religion yeah you can believe in um you can believe in god without evidence right right but data peer-reviewed data consensus formed peer-reviewed data and data analysis like i don't i don't need to believe in that because i have data you know there's this, right. there's i saw a meme one time it said uh, in god we trust all others bring data you know it's like <laughs> to me i never looked at yes. the climate change issue as a, a do you believe in climate change the question is do you find the data and data analysis on climate change to be sound if you do okay if you don't okay now, when you had mentioned earlier, you know, the science on both sides, there's, there's still consensus. You know, the consensus is heavily weighed on, yes, we are having some influence on climate change. Right. Like, undoubtedly. Every now and again, some, oh, well, there's this guy that can't just put a paper out about climate change denying it and said, well, that can't be true. It is such a small percentage compared to the, the data that we've seen that says, no, we are doing this. And it's kind of, this is another, I, I'm not going to take credit for this, but I, someone said, um, if you went to the doctor and the doctor says, listen, you have cancer and you need to get into treatment right now or you're going to die. Are you going to go to 99 other doctors for a second <laughs> opinion? Maybe you go to two or three. That makes sense. But if you go to 99 other doctors, okay, and 98 of the doc, or let's say 90 of those doctors say dude you got fucking cancer you need to get your shit checked out and nine of those doctors like eh, i don't know anything <laughs> which way are you gonna go you know that, that's a really good point that, that yeah that's a that's a that's a great way to put it and that definitely represents the data at least from what i know but you would know better than me yeah. on on climate change of, of course yeah I, mean, I think it's pretty overwhelming anybody could say oh it's you know, the scientists are getting, they get money for research and that's why they have to say it. Let me tell you something. If there was any scientist that could prove without a shadow of a doubt that we are not causing climate change, that person would be a fucking trillionaire because mm -hmm. Exxon, Chevron, every cement company, any company that has a major uh, carbon footprint would pay that motherfucker handsomely. It has not happened and it won't happen because it can't yeah. happen. You know, it's funny. Last week, um, there's a, a hedge fund called Engine Number One that has been trying to get board seats on, um, on the board for Exxon. 
and they own, they, they own like 50 million, I think $50 million worth of the company, which is like, I don't even think a full percent of what the, the company's valuation is. And they won two board seats. And they wanted to win two board seats because they, they believe that Exxon has not been taking the climate threat seriously. And while all the other major oil companies have said, look, climate change is a real thing. There's a transition happening and we need to account for this if we want to be an operating company in 20 years. Where Exxon says, no, no, we got plenty of time. We're going to double down on drilling. We're going to raise more money and drill more places. Now, this hedge fund owns $50 million worth of companies. Like, look, that's a bad way to look at it. A, climate change is real. It is going to affect our operations. And also, let's look at some other data. By 2040, more than 50% of all new car sales in the U.S. will be electric. Why would you keep drilling for oil? Why would you keep uh, building oil infrastructure, distribution infrastructure, when in 20 years, less than half all new cars sold will be relying on the internal combustion vehicle or engine. Why would you do that? Because they're trying to get paid now. They don't give a fuck about what's going to happen in 20 years. If I was a shareholder at Exxon and I was long Exxon, I'd say, I'm going to hold on to the stock for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I'm going to hand it off to my kids. I want to make sure the company's doing well. They're making bad decisions. And they're making bad decisions based on bad, bad, di- bad data, bad ideology. You know, sticking right. to the guns. No, man, we're an oil company. Stop vilifying oil. Dude, it is a transition that's happening. It is an evolution of personal transportation. Just like we went from the horse and buggy to the internal combustion vehicle. We are going from the internal combustion vehicle to electrified transportation and hydrogen fuel cell transportation. That is happening. That is a fact. So why? If you are running a, I don't know, even know what the, the market cap is of Exxon, but it's massive. Why would you risk your entire company on ideology? And so that's, this hedge fund went in and said, no, we are shareholders. We're going to change the game. And they went in, they got two board seats. Things are going to change now. That is the absolute perfect example of how capitalism can serve as a positive catalyst for change. Because right. I'll tell you what, those two board seats are worth more than 50 years of people going to Exxon headquarters with signs saying, you know, fuck big oil. That doesn't do shit. Nobody cares. Yeah, no, that was, man, that, uh, you, you sound very right. Um, that, that was, that was a, a good way to put it. I wish more people could hear that, you know, uh, dude, we got like billions of listeners. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Ah, man, it's, that that's the that's the nature of a lot of things though it's it's we aren't doing things for the better we're not doing things for our future we're not doing things from an objective drawn back perspective we are self-serving we are narrow we look for confirmation bias you know somewhere out there there's somebody who says well i've googled climate change and what did they do when they put it in? They said <laughs> cl- proof co- climate change is fake. That's how a <laughs> that's how a conservative would Google about climate change, right? And then you could say the same about the opposite. But we look for things that support our views. So somebody's hearing you say this, 
and and they could then go hop on Google and and type the question, you know, why is oil better than electric? Boom, 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 boom. Seven out of ten results give them what they want to hear, right. and now they're saying Jeff's an idiot, right? You know, what does he know? But you get what I mean? It's like they're, it's so easy and they don't realize the way they're using confirmation bias. They don't, they're, they're aware of it. Something, they, they have this little inner voice, this little muse that gives them the idea to protect their ego and their view, but they're not so aware of it. They don't realize when they're typing or they don't care to be critical and self-critical enough to realize what they're doing. And that's the world we live in. You can Google the same thing hyper specifically to get, you know, 20 different results that look so overwhelmingly in that direction. If you type in a drug and you mark on benefits or you mark on side effects, you know, negatives, uh, things like that, you're going you're gonna to come up with so many different things mm -hmm. that, that say that. I, mm -hmm. I recommend this thing, this stuff called DMSO. It's essentially just a solvent that they used to use on horses a lot. I'm sure they still do. It penetrates deep into the skin, so it's a transdermal. So you can use it to combine with other nutrients or other sort of ingredients that you want to get deeper into a mu muscle tissue that you want to send into the bloodstream topically. And you can take it orally. It's a fairly non-toxic solvent that, that metals and things in the body, toxins might bind to, and it'll help kind of uh, uh, cleansing or kind of expel heavy metals. It'll strip some things from the body that can be positive. Mm. It's popular in some chiropractic circles and some sort of alternative uh, medical stuff. But either way, when you, when you look this up, you could see that you could come back thinking this is the most magical stuff ever. If you look for benefits, right. if you look for positives, if you look for negatives, you're going to see things that make it seem like you should never take this stuff. It's so dangerous. It's not FDA approved. It's, it's this and that. Then you're going to find articles that came out from a certain year when there was a, there was a push against DMSO politically, which is the same kind of thing that happens, say, with hemp that happens with this on a smaller scale. People are protecting themselves from this powerful thing that you can buy over the counter that may have benefits or they're taking one little small piece of research and warning people on a grand scale about it, right? You could do the same with psychedelics. You know, if you, if you Google the right way, you're going to think that people who are microdosing mushrooms are going to get, you know, schizophrenia. If you Google it right, if you yeah. Google it correctly, you're going to think that, right? So that's the world we're in. I think, you know, I think that this is another um, advantage or benefit of free market is that you can typically find truth in market trends. So talking about electric vehicles again, and the transition away from internal combustion, even though the oil markets have come back from lows from last year because of COVID, um, Exxon's the only company that's not coming back strong, as strong as the other oil companies that are making the, taking the necessary steps to transition. Look at electric vehicles. I mean, Tesla remains one of the most successful public, tr publicly traded companies ever. 
in the history of, of uh, personal transportation. Ford, I guess it was last week or the week before, unveiled their electric F-150, which, dude, it's fucking sweet. It's yeah. like really fucking nice. It's so cool. They actually have this thing that it's, um, if, if you have a fully charged F-150 and the grid goes down, if, you, um, if you're careful with your energy usage, you can power your house for 10 days on that fucking thing. Whoa. Now you have to pare down. I mean, obviously you're gonna have to turn some shit off. Right. But like, grid goes down for a few days, you're good, man. And there's a, there's a um, converter, there's a converter in it. So basically if like you're plugged in, you're, you're pulling a charge to power, to, um, to, to feed the battery of your F-150, and then the power goes down, it converts, it immediately sends power back into your house through your centralized um, electricity system, and it, refrigerator's on, you know what I mean? Like, that is where we're going. What country, what country is leading the way with this sort of thing? Where is it the most... What, what's the most progressive country when it comes to electric vehicles? So China is producing and selling more electric vehicles than anybody else. A lot of it has to do with um, they're heavily subsidized, so they can make them cheaper there. Um, you know, slave labor will make things really cheap, you know. Yeah. Um, but in terms of quality, uh, the U.S. I mean, Tesla yeah. is a U.S. company. It is, you know, by far the... Um, one of the uh, well makes makes one of the the best vehicles in the market. Not just electric vehicles; they're just great. I guess. Vehicles. What about politically? Politically, where's what's the most forward thinking, or or are we the most forward thinking with that? It, it's hard to say because it's kind of moved. I think some people want it to continue to be a political thing, but it's not really a political thing anymore. In the sense that, um electric vehicles are just better mousetraps. They're just, I mean, if you can get beyond the concern of, oh, I'm going to run out of charge because there's no gas station. And by the way, in 10 years, you're going to have no problem, less than 10 years, you're going to have no problem finding a, a charging station on pretty much any corner, anywhere you find a gas station. Um, and you'll be able to charge your car probably within 15 to 20 minutes. It's still a lot of time compared to what it takes to fill with the gas. Um, but when you're not paying Whatever the price is for gas at the time, it could make a big difference. Also, most people are going to charge at home anyway. Um, I think politically, it's, it tends to be a, uh, I don't know, political point here in the U.S., again, because of ideology. The idea that anything that doesn't use oil must be anti-American, kind of that mindset. But then you look at some places in Europe where they've been very um, aggressive in, in terms of getting more electric vehicles uh, on the roads. Like, I think Norway... One of the Scandinavian countries, it's like something like 48% of all their vehicles are now electric. Um, a lot, there's some Western European countries that are, you know, like very generous subsidies and, and offers to get those cars on the road, which you can't run those forever. You know, um, you can't rely on subsidies to, to get them to, to um, keep the market running unless you're a nuclear company. Nuclear company has been running on subsidies for fucking 50 years. But electric vehicles, I suspect, you know, probably by the end of this decade, even before that, there's not, the, the whole subsidization of that is not going to happen anymore. You won't need to um, because they'll, they'll make it on their own merit. I think we're only a couple of years away. Uh, Bloomberg New Energy Finance, I think, was the company that put out 
um, some data showing that 2014, I believe, is the year that electric vehicles will be competitive with internal combustion based on the same type of car. So whatever you pay, end up paying for like an F-150 internal combustion, F-150 versus electric, it's gonna be the same, it's gonna be roughly the same price. Okay. And if you, if you boil it down, if like, if, listen, most, I don't know most, but if I, if I had a F-150 for, for work, you know, like a lot of farmers where I live use F-150s, they don't really drive that far, you know, maybe 30, 40 miles in a day. Well, that's more than enough charge that they'll get because I think the F1, the base model, I think is 220 miles on a charge. And you can run all your power tools and stuff from it because of the batteries inside. Um, no need for diesel generators or anything like that. So it's a, again, it's a better mousetrap. Um, and that's the direction in which we're heading. And if they're both the same price, which are you going to go for it? The, the one that's a superior, the superior version or the inferior version? Do you want to have, you know, a cassette tape player or do you want to just stream shit online? I mean, that's the difference. That's what we're talking about, you know? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Rotary phone or your cell phone, your smartphone. Mm. Some people, man, they just hate progress. I'm sure they said the same thing, though. People said the same thing about the horse and buggy. You know, there was a um, Horace Rackham, I believe was his name, was one of uh henry ford's lawyers who uh, let me make sure i'm telling the story right because i don't want to fuck it up it's actually a really good story about this idea that when you go from um from one from, from when you transition from like within an industry like again going from the horse and buggy to the to the internal combustion that was a big deal um and there were a lot of people were like this is stupid this thing's never gonna work um, okay, here it is. I, I'm going to pull it because I wrote about this a few times and I just want to make sure I get it right. Um, let's see here. Dead air is the worst. Dead air is the worst. Mm, yeah, we're good. Um, if they made it this far. <laughs> I know. I just want to make sure I got the right, the, uh, the, the, the right, the right wording here. Um, let's see here. Edit. Find in page. Okay, here we go. Uh, back in 1903, the president of the Michigan Savings Bank told Henry Ford's lawyer, Horace Rackham, that the horse was here to stay and the automobile was only a novelty, a fad. Fortunately, Rackham didn't list it. listen. He invested $5,000 in Ford stock, which he later sold for $12.5 million. Oof. A lot of people back then were like, they couldn't even fathom the idea that all these people were going to have a, a, a mechanized vehicle. You know, right. how could they? Think about all the, think of shit. I mean, had you told me 30 years ago that we're going to have reusable rockets? I'm like, really? I don't know if that's possible. You know, <laughs> shit happens, man. Things are always changing and we move fast. And the computing power of today versus just 20 years ago is mind blowing. So this idea that electric vehicles can't make it, aren't going to be the next evolution is, for lack of a better word, stupid. Wait, it exists now. Tesla's vehicles are fucking awesome. Now you will find people that say, oh, I read in Consumer Reports are not very reliable and I had this and this happened. You say that any car, you know, yeah. any car can give you, I've had good cars, I've had bad cars. It's just how it is. But 
electric vehicles have not even really been on our highways for more than 10 years in any, you know, reasonable capacity. And you see a lot of them now. You, I, I see more and more, man. Yeah. I really do. It's, yeah. You're here. I saw quite a few when I was in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago. Surprise. Huh. Because you always think like more conservative states are going to have less, less electric vehicles. Um, yeah. Even in Texas. I mean, shit. State of Texas lured uh, Tesla to build a, a, a plant in, te in Texas but you can still not buy a Tesla in the state of Texas because Tesla won't go through the um, dealership model. <laughs> nah, that's not political. Now I'm sure it's going to change because Tesla's bringing a lot of fucking money and jobs to the state, but it shouldn't have to be like that. No. And even, and in the libertarian circles, I was very surprised that there weren't a lot of libertarians that spoke up about, about that when we first learned, I think it happened in Michigan and a couple other states, that they said, you have to go through the dealership model. And I wrote about it. I was like, how is this, how is this at all fair in an honest free market to be forced to go through a certain model that serves no purpose other than make some people money? Because they say, oh, well, you need the, you need the dealerships because you know, with the dealerships, that way we can help with like servicing and stuff like that. Well, maybe just make better cars so they don't need to be serviced all the time like tesla's doing you know yeah. mm. that's what we i think when we talk about the kind of libertarian idea it's like why you know for me to speak up about that makes sense to me but the fact that i very prominent libertarians out there have never said a word about it it's a big fucking deal man I, yeah of course uh it's it's, I think, I think it's in the future. I think that's a thing that they'll get probably more on, I'd imagine, but are just a little behind the curve in that one thing. It seems like it would be in line with libertarian perspective, but again, it goes back to that. It's not so obvious on certain issues where libertarians will fall, will fall because it's just not the talking point that they're bound by. There are a few things they're bound by. And then from there, you can make assumptions, but it's not as cut and dry as I think a lot of left and right people are, which makes it interesting. It makes it very interesting to dissect because you can't put your finger on it outside of like a handful of big bullet points. Well, you know, the bottom line is if people would just listen to me, yeah, no, I, you know, I think you make a lot of sense here. <laughs> and they just say, listen, what, what's Jeff think about this? I think mm -hmm. we, I think it'd be a better, better world for all of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. That's, that's the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if, Show what, notes, just listen to Jeff. And <laughs> <laughs> but listen, if you think about the things we talk about, you know, and it's like, yeah. it all makes sense. Free markets, personal sovereignty, Smoke weed if you want. Fucking, you know, do mushrooms. Be nice to people. Stop manipulating. Don't lie to people. You know what it is? It it's, goes back to that thing. It's like corruption comes with power. And it's like we, we don't have the power yet. So we get, <laughs> we get to make non-corrupted sense of things and not have our own personal sort of little selfishness or have our friends behind closed doors that we need to 
appease and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, which gets involved in big politics. I will say it. Yeah. I, I'll say it. I don't think until until this democracy ruins itself, which is just a if history if history repeats itself, our government this little this little thing we have going on this experiment is is set to doom. It's a it's a time bomb before things get shifted. Okay, more than likely. We've, we've survived pretty far, and it does not look that promising that we're going to survive forever the way things are. Something right. is going to change dramatically. I will, till the end of this, this experiment and project that America has going on, you need to shake hands with the devil in order to step foot in that office as president. Now, that that doesn't mean that things can't change at a local level and a right. smaller level. You can have popular figures and things like that might lead to gradual reformation of the government potentially, but but I think that's our best hope. Small scale shift. I think there's truth to that because we saw that with with gay marriage, right? I mean, that happened right. on a local level, state level and then finally uh, the Fed relented, and we're we're seeing it now with cannabis. Yeah, we're going to see it with cannabis for sure. So, you know, it's frustrating when it takes so long. You know, and it's frustrating when you see people fighting things that you think to yourself, "Why would you fight against this? Why would you fight against two dudes getting married? How does that have any effect on your life? Why do you want to fight against somebody who wants to get high? It has zero effect on your life." You know, but the, the rate in which we solve our problems is too slow. <laughs> And the rate in which we increase our problems <laughs> is too high, period. That is a serious issue that we have. It's like 20-year battles over like something like that. And meanwhile, we just keep piling on the buffet of problems. Do you think that's a result of maybe not having enough to do? If you think about back oh. in the day, think about back in the day before we had computers or anything, and most people were farmers and, you know, had just hard jobs and they worked, you know, 10, 12 hour days. At the end of the day, you just want to eat, fuck and go to bed, you yeah. know, and, and maybe not even fuck, just eat and go to bed or maybe not eat, just fuck and go to bed. Either way, you know, when nowadays it's like an eight hour shift is normal for most people, maybe seven hours when you really get rid of the time you spend on Facebook and Twitter. And then what do you do with the rest of your time? Yeah. Find shit to, find shit to complain about, I guess. Yeah, I mean, this doesn't, this isn't necessarily answering it in the direction that maybe you were kind of asking it. Um, but I think it goes back to the whole potential problem with, with communism and, and like something I've said about with you've got to be careful what you put into power and what you make a law because it is fucking obnoxiously hard to revoke it, to change it, to progress it, to, to realize it was wrong. It, it's it's like you you build this power and you give something power and you give status to something and then you expect it just to pull back or change or shift quickly i think of a lot of things like that like you know that that's one of the biggest issues with 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 communism you build this this strong government to put implement it and then you expect it to dissolve in a way or at least that's you know what some people would say is an issue with it but i think that with a lot of laws we have these things that get into place. We have these ideas. We have these things of power. People don't like change. So they fight it. Why? I don't know why somebody fights the idea of, of weed and gay marriage and all like that. It doesn't make sense to me, but dude, it means a lot to some people. 
People are very afraid of change. They, they make things, well, what's next? We're going to be, you know, marrying animals, you know? <laughs> and, you know? When people said that, I was just like, yeah. I was like, okay. Well, I mean, I guess if you can find I don't care. do it. Again, I mean, it has no, it has no influence on my life. It has no influence on my health, safety, security, none of it. You know, I mean, if I own a goat and you're fucking my goat, I'm going to have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah. You know? But I mean. Uh, <laughs> you can marry your goat. Okay. But just keep it, keep it platonic other than that. <laughs> what a great note to end this podcast. <laughs> Non-sexual marriage with my goat. <laughs> From goat fucking to platonic goat relationships. Uh, we go right towards goat. Yeah, we I don't know. Goats that always, when we, when, we think about, uh, when we think about people having sex with animals, the first thing we think of is goats. Goats. You've seen that Vice documentary? There's a Vice documentary where there's like a country, I believe it's goats, but it might be like donkeys or something, where they go in in this area where it's like culturally normal for the men to have sex with donkeys or, or goats. I don't know which, something like that. And they actually catch a guy doing it. Like he leaves to go fuck one while they're, I got to forward you this. Uh, There's, yeah. oh, dude, it was like back, like when vice was like just putting out, they were cranking out just the most amazing. <laughs> they didn't have much content. Right. So like everything they put out was just mind blowing. And there was one where people were, I don't want to misspeak. It might not have been goats, but of course, now that we're talking about goats, my mind is thinking that it was a goat thing, but I'll send you that dude. You've got to, you've got to at least like look into it or read about it is it is crazy. Yeah. So I'm guessing in this, this country or this town, there's no internet. Oh dude. Yeah. I, I don't know. Seriously, Like if you could choose between fucking a goat and watching like some, like really hot curvy woman you know masturbating you know it's like that's not mm. a hard decision hopefully it's just older generations that are dying out <laughs> that are into the whole goat thing <laughs> an eventual <laughs> thing of the past and what the that's fuck do the goat think when that's happening i don't know dude i don't i have been like ah oh, well my father and my father's father were fucked. <laughs> it's just the way of a goat's life. We don't know any different. We've been getting fucked for generations after generations. The goat sees a guy coming with his pants. He's like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> oh, no. Dad joke in full effect. <laughs> Ooh, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, another great podcast. Yes. Uh, it's funny. I had a bunch of things to talk about, and we didn't get to one of them, and that's fine. We just kind of rolled with it, which yeah. is what I like. Um, but, uh, yeah, man. I hope Sweet. everyone listening enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you are interested, I would strongly recommend reading about uh, Engine Number 1 Hedge Fund that, that took those board seats on Exxon. It's a fascinating story. And uh, also see what Ford is doing with the electric F-150. It's a, a major game changer in terms of uh, transitioning from the internal combustion engine to electrified uh, transportation. The fact that it's not just, it used to be, well, a major car maker will make a small, uh, you know, compact vehicle that's electric. They're taking like the premier brand that Ford has, 
for I think it's what 14 years running F-150 has been the best-selling truck in the country. They're not going to risk their brand and their bread and butter for some bullshit. So the fact that F1, that Ford delivered uh, this electric F-150 in the way it did marks a major change um, in, the, in the way we will be getting around and, and working in uh, probably for the next hundred years. Hell yeah. Unless, you know, civil war happened, some of the nuclear codes, and uh, we go the way the dinosaurs, which maybe not such a bad idea either. I mean, really, right. let, let's be honest. I mean, is the world going to be any worse off if we're not here? No, not much, <laughs> not much. <laughs> All right, people, be well, be free. Until next time. Oh, shit. I didn't start it.